from India's largest newsroom I'm Arun George and this is the Times of India podcast On Tuesday there was reason for cheer among private doctors in Rajasthan as a 17 day long strike by them came to an end The strike had been called against the right to health bill that was passed on the 21st of March by the Rajasthan government. In the end, the government agreed to keep private hospitals that have not availed of state benefits out of the law's ambit. The government also said that private multi-speciality hospitals with less than 50 beds will be kept out of the law's purview for now. Rajasthan Chief Minister Ashok Gehlot said he was happy that the state would become the first in the country to implement a right to health. for a chief minister facing an election at the end of the year that's an important achievement to list the protests against the law were led by private doctors in the state who objected to various provisions in it among the provisions they objected to was the compulsory treatment that needed to be provided to patients in case of emergencies doctors bodies claimed that the law would only result in harassment and demanded greater representation on bodies that would decide if they had acted improperly Rema Nagarajan who's a senior editor with the Times of India and covers healthcare says that even when the law was passed by the government most of it was amended to suit healthcare providers in today's episode we're discussing the need for a law that says people have a right to get healthcare Rema explains why Indian patients need better redressal mechanisms that such laws provide and why private healthcare providers can't object to all forms of regulation I started by asking her about the concept of the right to healthcare doesn't everyone already have that right no i don't think so uh, i don't think uh, people have access to healthcare as a right right now if you have money if you can pay you have access it's very clear you can't go into any hospital and expect that you know even if i don't have money i will get treated uh, one of the good things about actually spelling it out that this is your right and you can't be denied it is also that you can hold the government liable for this that that's something that the rajasthan government has spelled out in as many uh, words saying that we are liable now which is a good thing uh, how well that will work we'll have to see in you know whether people will actually be able to take the hold the government accountable or not um when people enter the health system for example public health system in many states you still have to pay in rajasthan to start with it is all free uh free medicine free diagnostics all of those things which they have already done uh and now they're saying that even in private sector if you are not able to get treatment it's for the government to sort it out which is how it should be because if i don't get treatment in a place you don't hold that person who is reducing me treatment liable you hold the government liable it's for the government to sort that out if they are giving it to me as a right it's not to you know blame the doctor who says no i don't want to treat you like they say and the doctors have been saying it's my right to say that you know i i don't want to uh treat this or that person unless it's an emergency could you explain if we have this kind of right to health law anywhere else in india and what does it really mean so assam has passed one or had passed one in 2010 it was called the assam public health act did we see a sea change in the way uh, people have access to healthcare in assam not really so any law is only as good as you know how well it is implemented and how much the people are able to 
put pressure on the government to implement it. In Rajasthan, the reason why civil society has come all out to say this act is important and it should be allowed because they are hoping that this is a good start and that they can actually uh, work towards getting this implemented. Except for the doctors, I don't think there's a single uh, body or person in this country which is saying that it's a bad thing to give people right to health. Like you said, such a law helps because it brings the government into the picture and makes it liable to ensure that people have health care. It's also an election year in Rajasthan. And, uh, you know, there is obviously cynicism over whether this is then an election year law. How, how would you view that? I'm sure it is an election year law. I mean, there is no doubt that there is politics in it. Almost all uh, moves by a particular government are political. Health is political. And if health is becoming political, that's a good thing. If actually governments start believing that, you know, doing something on health will actually win me votes, that's good for healthcare and that's good for the people. We have been lamenting for so long that health is not an issue for elections. Now, if health is becoming an issue which has traction in an election, that's not a bad thing. The bad thing is that if you are bringing in a law which is so unrealistic that, you know, I mean, you have no intention of implementing. Now, that's a charge which the government is facing, that you only have a very short time now. You're going to go into elections very soon. So you are not really saddled with the responsibility uh, of proving that this can be implemented. That's a valid charge. You write in your piece, the law has been significantly modified to kind of meet what the private doctors demanded. Uh, what then explains this protest that we've been seeing in the state since the law was passed? A lot of the protests is uh, because of one, misinformation and two, confusion. Misinformation because, I mean, I think IMA also played a part in it, as in deliberately letting doctors believe that the earlier versions of the uh, law still stand. It's difficult to believe that the IMA did not know that the final law which was passed had actually taken out most of the stuff that they were objecting to. But most of the regular doctors didn't know. And it didn't help that the Rajasthan government did not put out a cleaned up copy of the law, leaving out all the stuff which has already been cut out. Instead, in a very bureaucratic fashion, what they have got on their legislative assembly uh, website, the copy of the law that they have there, says that all the provisions which are in square brackets have been deleted. Why have you left the square brackets there? It leads to so much confusion. Not every human being can, you know, like read and sort of mentally delete those square brackets as they are reading. So that has led to a lot of confusion because doctors can't really believe that it's all there in the law. But you're saying just because they are in square brackets, they will not be uh, um, implemented or the, you know they don't count. I guess in the official uh, parlance, this is perfectly acceptable. But at least for public consumption, there should have been a cleaned up version of the law. And the second thing is, this is uh, as much politics as anything else. Just as you're saying that the law being brought in is politics, a lot of the um, protest also is thought to be political. Plus the fact that, you know, private sector has always resisted any sort of uh, government, what they call interference. What the public sees as, you know, government intervention, as in government intervening on their behalf, to uh, pay or to set the rates. The private sector sees that as interference. Now, it's not for the private sector to decide that, you know, this is how the sector will be regulated. It is for the people and the government to decide, no? 
And of course, it has not helped that the IMA has gone around saying that, one, that this is anti-people, which it is not. If that were the case, we would see a lot of people out on the streets accompanying IMA on all their protests. There are only doctors. There are no people out there protesting because people realize it is for, it is actually good for them. And uh, the IMA has also said that, no, this is a law which makes you offer treatment for free, which is, again, you know, it's like a partial truth or a half lie. Uh, because you know that, yeah, I mean, at, at the point of care where I'm going in with an emergency, yes, I will be treated for free. But it is not free in that sense because the government is paying with public money. So it's not like, you know, the doctor will not get paid. So this emergency thing is a major factor even in the protests, right? The doctors have argued that they should be able to decide what constitutes an emergency and what doesn't. But, you know, even in a city like Delhi or Mumbai, you've had cases where... Um, even emergency cases are seen where they are turned away from multiple hospitals. Could a law like this solve that problem? It could if the government has the will. Uh, the doctors are absolutely right that they have to be consulted when you decide what's an emergency, what constitutes an emergency. But then, you know, I mean, doctors are the ones who get consulted when such medical matters are decided. It's not as if I get to uh, sit on the committee and say what's an emergency. The government has already said that there will be further refining at the stage of the rules. And as far as, uh, you know, how will this help? One of the things that they say is designated centers. For example, the doctors were saying an eye hospital cannot do a delivery. Uh, yeah, obviously, or eye hospital might not be able to do a delivery. They might not be trained to do it. So when you say designated, it is a process where the government sits with the doctors or the private hospital uh, setup and decides which hospital in a particular district or in a particular area can do what. So there has to be a process of mapping the facility and saying who can do what. And then in dialogue with the facility, you have to say that you are you willing to take these emergencies or not? It can't be that the government just sits there and decides that, you know, all these hospitals will do it. It is going to be done in consultation with the hospitals. And if that happens, and then you publicize the list in that particular locality, what you then help uh, do is help prevent people from going from hospital to hospital, which don't have facility, instead be able to take them straight to the facility, which has uh, all the necessary infrastructure to actually stabilize the patient of a particular kind of emergency. So it, so all these things are possible within this law. Provided, I mean, the government has the will and the doctors are willing to cooperate in this. Only time will tell, I mean, going forward when the rules are constituted, whether the government will actually put in this effort of identifying designated centers, mapping them, putting out the information so that the first responders like the ambulances know which uh, emergency can be taken where, and that it's also available to the public so that you're not going from hospital to hospital and wasting time when there is an emergency. Doctors say that that's adequate, the insurance scheme that exists, and the new law is one that harasses them. Uh, so why wouldn't say that insurance scheme be enough to sort of ensure healthcare? Why would you need this over this law over and above that? I cannot uh, hold the government to an insurance scheme. The insurance scheme does not cover everybody. Um, if I'm not covered by the insurance scheme, can I take the government to court? No, I cannot. Can I hold the government liable? No, I cannot. And if the insurance scheme is the same and as a right to law, 
then the doctor shouldn't have a problem at all. How does it make a difference whether right to law or insurance scheme, if both of them do the same thing? But the fact that they are resisting the right to law shows that there is a difference. There is a difference between having an insurance scheme and having a right. There will be uh, more accountability. The idea of having a law is that there should be more accountability. Like again, I'm saying that how that will translate, it all depends on the implementation. The will of the government and all the will of the people to make the government implement it. In, in your piece, you also write about how the modified version of the law that was finally passed, um, all the redressal mechanisms have done away with representatives of patients. Instead, it has added representatives for doctors. Uh, why does that matter? The biggest stakeholder for in a healthcare system is a patient, uh, the people uh, who need access to the healthcare. Not to have anybody representing people's interest or the patient's interest in the committee is totally not acceptable for the government to actually drop some of the people who might have represented people's interest and instead replace them with IMA members. In fact, there are two IMA members in every single uh, committee that is going to be part of this law. Uh, so for doctors to say they're underrepresented, that's just not true. It's patients who are not, it's not about underrepresentation. There's zero representation for patients. And if you don't have that, what happens is, all of these uh, rules which get made, all the uh, implementation part of it will all be about convenience for the doctor, convenience for the health uh, care providers, not for the people who are accessing the healthcare system, which forms the bulk of the stakeholders in any health system. And they are the ones who, through the public money or through their own money, pay for all of this. When you have all the doctors in this system, you don't have a patient's representative. The argument that the doctors presented at the time was that if you pack it with civil society representatives or people who don't really speak for the doctors, what you risk is a law that would, in effect, become something that could be used to harass them. Uh, where does that argument stand? How many doctors are there vis-a-vis -vis how many uh, people of a state? I mean, you would find maybe uh, a handful of doctors versus lakhs of people. So people who enter the health system, the amount of harassment they face or the chances of them facing harassment is far, far more. And it is a reality that many of them do face that harassment. There are any number of examples of people facing harassment when they enter the health system. So for doctors to say that, you know, I mean, they will be the ones to face harassment and hence they have to have a representation. Good. So you got your representation. Now, what about somebody to represent the people who face harassment a lot? People who are overtreated, uh, you know, overbilled, people who are refused treatment, all kinds of grievances that are there. Who is there to represent those people? So, Rema, you've covered healthcare in India for years now. Um, how would you view the existing laws that exist broadly across the country and their enforcement when it comes to patients' rights? How good is it as it stands? The law says a lot of things. And uh, like I said, it all depends on how well it is implemented. Because as we have seen with the Assam law passed in 2010, uh, a decade later, it's not like there's been a huge difference to the system. So every law is only as good as, uh, you know, the people who are implementing it. And when you talk about uh, generally laws being for patient rights, very poor, extremely poor when it comes to uh, upholding patients' rights. Uh, we have uh, the we have Consumer Protection Act under which you know the me medical doctors come and that's supposed to have helped patients. 
it's not as if patients have managed to get much out of that because the power differential is huge. I mean, we are talking about people who go into the health system really scared of their doctors. Even try asking a patient to, uh, even when they have a genuine complaint, I mean, they, they want to talk about it and they will say, but don't uh, say my name because they're scared that the doctor might retaliate. I have to go back to the same doctor. I don't want any bad blood. That's the kind of, I mean, a power differential you're talking about. And that hasn't changed in any state, not, I mean, not the central government, not any of the state governments, none of them have really come to the rescue of patients. Whenever we talk about uh, any sort of law or health system reform, the only people who seem to have a loud voice are the doctors uh, and the bureaucrats um, and other people, you know, who run hospitals. You hardly ever hear what the patient goes through when they go to these places, whether it is in terms of Something as simple, let's forget payment, let's forget the treatment. Even to get your patient's uh, records, which courts, the government, various laws have all said that within 72 hours, I should get every single piece of paper which is pertaining to my treatment. I should be given a copy of it. How many patients actually manage to get that? People have to go to court for just getting their patient records. That's the level of patient right enforcement in this country and nobody not a single doctor pays a price for refusing to give these records not a single hospital or hospital owner or hospital management uh, pays a price for actually refusing uh, patient records or giving them deliberately incomplete patient records even when you pay from your own pocket for your all of your treatment whatever that they have asked for you still won't would find it extremely difficult to get a complete set of patient records. That That is a reality of patient right enforcement in this country. That has to change. That can only change when we also, as patients, get a seat at the table where these things are decided, where rules are made, um, so that you know, I mean, some of it can also be strengthened to favor the patients. Uh, and like you said, uh, one major aspect is also the fact that uh, the private hospitals now play a a very important role in the providing of healthcare. Very realistically, the government seems to be recognizing that its own healthcare systems won't reach a mark where it will be able to provide healthcare to all. Uh, in that scenario, then how how would something how would even the government go about enforcing something like this? There are lots of uh, services which are not provided by the government. I mean, telephone services are not provided by the government. Your mobile is already completely privatized. We are depending on completely private entities to provide us that service. Doesn't mean that they don't get regulated. The government regulates them even about how much they charge us. Electricity is now in, uh, in many cases provided entirely by private entities. Doesn't mean that the government does not regulate them. The government regulates private banks, how much they can charge. So if the government can regulate all these services, why is it that one of the most crucial services that we need, healthcare, uh, just because you know there are private entities providing it doesn't necessarily mean that you know the government will not regulate them or that they will refuse to be regulated. It is not for them to decide whether they will be regulated or not. But they are actually holding the whole thing to ransom, patients to ransom by saying that we will not provide care if you talk about regulation or if you talk about regulating us because it is harassment. So it's a reality that you know a lot of your private, a uh, lot of your healthcare is being provided by the private sector. And it is desirable that the government uh, should reduce the dependence on private sector. Uh, but 
to say that we will totally do away with the private sector might not be realistic not for a long time to come so i mean we should learn to work with that in the system within the mix the doctors only talk about the public health system when there's regulation then they say that why don't you strengthen the public health system why is that i mean whether this public health system is strong or not your system needs to be regulated it is not an either or even if the public health system is there and the private health system exists you will still be regulated Today's episode was produced by Jairaj Singh, Sunai Marathe and Anuja Singh. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We're available on TOI Plus, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at toipodcast@timesinternet.in.